Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Joel Gandara. Joel, you are the CEO of Morrow Capital, and you are also the president of Joel Gandara Coaching. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Josh. Thanks for having me. Above all, you've been a lifelong entrepreneur, and uh, you've been doing this a while. You've got a lot of great life experience and a lot of success under your belt. Uh, would you mind just kind of giving us an overview of uh, the impact that that you make in the world? Yeah. Uh I have four kids and a wife, so I get to impact them directly on a regular basis because those are kind of my, whether they like it or not, know it or not, they're kind of my coaching clients because I get to practice everything on them and I have a, a real vested interest in the impact that I create on my family. Aside from that, it's my fear of influence. And that really is a lot of employees that I get to influence and make their lives better. Uh, I've had kids that started with me, for example, in my fulfillment business, started at $9 an hour, left earning over $100,000 after a few years, and left with what I consider better than an MBA equivalent in, in business, uh, right? So that's what I like to do. I like to share what I've learned and help develop people and lead them, but not lead them by telling them what to do, lead them by helping them develop their better way of thinking. And that way they can grow in their own right. Yeah. In, in, in terms of your domain expertise, let's say that you're talking with a fellow business owner, you know, they've been in business for five, 10 years. Um, and, and you know, they, they've got a good business going, you know, they've got a handful of employees. Um, but there's there's some way that like if they were to come to you, what what do you think would be? Well, listen, there are a lot of advisors in the world, but you know, in terms of advisors, I'm the kind of guy you want to talk to about X. Like, what what would you say like that 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 specialty that you have in in that world would be? Yeah, I like to call people out on their BS because I mm -hmm. think we're all living down here, and we could make this leap. And most smart. Uh, productive entrepreneurs and business owners know how to make that jump. They just need somebody to help mold that path for them. So a lot of the time, it's it's not just calling them out on that, but it's also helping them stay accountable and kind of guiding them and, and asking the right questions and helping them set the right goals. So because because what I last thing I want to do is tell them, here's what you're going to do and here's how you're going to do it. And here, I don't mm -hmm. want to do any of that. I want to help them together kind of so we're totally aligned, get to that next level. So things I see are, you know, I know they in coaching they they'll hire me to help them in their business, but we talk about everything and we get it into health, into relationships, into the way they're exercising, eating, you know, all of that whole thing, and the way they're leading their team and creating, uh, you know, better teams and, and themselves as a better business person. So it's hard to pinpoint because every single situation and every person is totally different. But what I'm looking for when I talk to somebody is the red flags, the one that they might be missing, and I go, wait a minute. I know you want to talk about that, but I just heard something and our whole call could go into that whole thing. And then after it, you know, they see that, okay, that's a great correction I can make. So I focus on things like that. 
Yeah. Um, so when you said, uh, for example, you know, calling business owners out on their BS, where, where, how do we, what, what are some ways that you commonly see business owners BS, not just other people, but BS themselves? Oh, the number one thing that I see over and over is they overcomplicate the entire process. Look, I have a friend who for six years told me he needed to buy out his partners, which was a big company uh, who owned 50%. And if, but if, but to do that, he had to do this. And then this, it was this massive web. In the end, guess what? He just needed to raise money. That's it. So he brought me on as a coach, a friend of six years who talked about that for six years. Within four months, we raised all the money needed. I was one of the investors. We bought out the partners. Within two years of that happening, he got an offer. It's a service company netting five hundred thousand. After he bought them out, he got it to seven fifty net profit, seven hundred fifty thousand EBITDA. He just got an offer from private equity for nine point five million. That would not have happened had he been with those original partners. First of all, he was sharing half the profits. He bought them out mm-hmm. for a smidgen. All that happened because he overcomplicated the entire process. And and once you hear someone lay out all the problems and you're whiteboarding it as they're talking, you start circling. Look, this is all we got to do. This is step one. Let's just focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I agree. Oftentimes, um, you know, let's say, for example, sales. Sales is really a, a pretty easy process, right? If your product is good, you know, it's a good product. If your process for sales is good, then all you got to do is just talk to more people, which, and, and, you know, talking to more people, I think that's where people just like, they freak out. And it's like, no, it's, you know, create an environment where that's the natural byproduct. You're networking at a much higher level. And there are people that are very good at creating that environment. And I'll also say too, Joel, that I think for most business owners, um, it, you're good at a few things, like, and probably insanely good at one, maybe two things, but the rest, and, and, and it, it takes a very, it takes a lot of skills to run a successful company. You don't have to be the be all end all. You just have to surround yourself with smart people, right. And, and give yourself some grace that you don't have all the answers, but you can pull together the right people so that you can, uh, you know, so you can see, succeed a lot more. Absolutely. I start with that premise that I know nothing. I'm not the best at anything. So I'm going to find the people who are. Dan Sullivan wrote a fantastic book, Who, Not How. It's better to find the who's. Man, that book is phenomenal. I've recommended it to so many people and they've all come back to me to tell me they loved it. It's not about you learning how to do everything. I don't want to know how to do anything. I want to know how to have my team just tell me what they're working on and I'll learn from them. I like that perspective a lot better it makes for a better life. And to me, a business is just a form of making a life. It's not me. I'm not the business. That business is there to fuel my life and give me happiness and give me everything I want to accomplish. And so what better way to do that than have everybody else who's better than me do the work so that I can go enjoy the fruits of all that. Yeah. Um, How did you survive or how did you thrive in business? How did you succeed in business where maybe other people kind of dropped the ball or or they weren't able to keep up with what you did? Like, what was your secret uh, to succeeding? Yeah. So to be clear, I started with zero, got here on a, on a boat as a kid fleeing communism. So just want to be sure people don't hear, well, his parents were probably rich. No, they weren't. <laughs> they were poor. We were in poverty. Uh, and I retired at 39, seven figure income, very comfortable. The reason that I got that is because I hustled 
more than anyone around me. My first trade show ever in the apparel industry. I did not own a brand. I was a distributor. I got somebody to give me their sales. I took a booth at a trade show in Las Vegas and I saw all these big companies around me and I thought, wow, they've really made it. I don't know if I'll ever get to that. But I worked 16 hours a day. I did that probably for 15 years and I hustled. I underpromised. I overdelivered. I took care of my clients. I called them. I'd send them special gifts. I hand wrote notes to them. I just hustled. I wanted it so bad that I started moving up. And guess what? That first trade show I went to that had aisles of competitors of mine, I've bought 14 of those competitors. So we've been acquiring them over the years. People that I thought were untouchable and who was I, but just one little thing at a time. And honestly, it was grit and hustle. It's definitely not intelligence. I'm maybe average intelligence. It's just that extra hustle that I put in. And guess what? If you just show up and you keep showing up, things start falling in place. But if you would have quit, you wouldn't have found out. Yeah. What does, what does Murrow Capital do? Yeah. So uh, it's me. I'm the only owner of it. I'm the shareholder. Uh, we have been buying competitors. We've been buying different apparel companies, accessories companies. We own a fulfillment center. So we do all of our own fulfillment here seven days a week, but we also do it for other e-commerce companies. There's several things. I do investments through there. Uh, you know, I started an underwear company and the company had the name underwear in it. My email had underwear in it. So when I'd email people, it always it was a big laugh and everybody wanted to know what's all that all about. So I made it simple. It's a capital company. Uh, it's my capital that I invest and do things, uh, whatever that might be, you know, different <laughs> investments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so is that, are, are you always, are you actively looking for e-com companies then? Yeah. Always looking because uh, you might look at a thousand deals, uh, whether they're listed. Most of those companies I bought were not listed. They weren't yeah. for sale, but I had conversations. I always have a pipeline. I have multiple companies that I plan on buying over the next few years who know that I'm interested. I've visited them. I've seen their financials. We've talked about a path to get the owner out of the way and retired or whatever. You know, My number one question is, what do you want? What do you want to do? Where do you see yourself in a couple of years? And when they explain it all, all I want to do, it's all about them. I know what I want. I want to help them get to where they want to be. They want to retire by this date and they want to be making this much. And they want, okay, let's see how we get you there. And, and that's always a win-win. And I'm very proud of this one thing. All the companies that we've bought, I'm friends with all of them, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I always tell them, Hey, I'll give you whatever you want from your old site. You know, I'll give you a coupon code. You can buy stuff for free and, you know, just to maintain that great relationship with them. So that's how we've positioned it. And that's how we've executed on it. Yeah. What are the bones that you look for in a great deal? Like what's, what's the difference between a great deal and one that's like, yeah, I'll have to pass on that one. Yeah. So a mar, uh, you know, uh, a multiple, that's not crazy. I can't wait eight years to get break even. Uh, we want a realistic multiple for that level of revenue and, and, and EBITDA. Um, but but what I'm looking for are ways that my skill set and my team's skill set can make that business more profitable. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. I bought a business that was doing in its peak, it was doing three million a year, mostly wholesale in apparel. Then it dropped to two million, then it got to a million. The year we bought them, they were at eight hundred thousand dollars in sales. They were, they were really shrinking. We bought that for one hundred fifty thousand absolute deal. But what we had to do is fix all the problems. And the problems were inefficiencies, old technology. They weren't on Shopify. Their images were old. We cleaned up that business, probably spent another 100, 150,000 doing that, but we turned it around. You know, that it now does very, very well. Uh, so that's what we're looking for. Places where we can come in and be more efficient, provide better fulfillment, better back uh, office resources and plug it into our team. And then it becomes more profitable for us. But, but again, the focus is how do we take care of that owner? That wants because it's not going to happen if we don't take care of them. I could say and drive down the price and squeeze them. I don't want to do any of that. I want to say, how do we get you there? 
And if I can do that for them, then we all win. What would be the superpowers that you and your team bring into where you're like, I think this, I, we are going to absolutely knock this one out of the park because the people that I've got on my team and I, here's what we're going to do over the next year or two. Yeah. So what are those things? Yeah. Some of it just comes with years of doing it. So when you have your own fulfillment center, it's all Mm -hmm. in-house, it's all here. We control the costs. We can get those picks down to a few cents per pick as opposed to Oh, wow. It's basically, then the most owners won't realize this, but it's costing you X amount of dollars just to pick an order when we could do that for about, I don't know, a dollar or whatever. You know, that adds up on a volume game. Uh, anything that has to do with efficiency, I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm really efficient. So, my way of thinking is just how do you take less steps to get from here to there? How do you spend less money? How do you not spend so much? Right. So, it's back end stuff. I'm usually not the guy to come in and say, oh, we're going to quadruple your sales. I'm not that guy, uh, but we can maintain it, maybe grow it steadily, but cutting a lot of the costs. And a lot of that comes from scale. If you already got a staff and you can add an extra million or two or three million of revenue, it's not going to cost me the same thing as having it over there on its own because I've already got them all in place. I don't need another accountant. I don't need another manager. I don't need another warehouse system. All those big expenses are fixed. So that's where we organically cut a lot of costs. Yeah. Um can I ask you a personal question, you know, coming from a communist country, um, how did that flavor your approach to entrepreneurialism? Yeah. What can someone who's not come from a communist country learn from someone who has? Yeah, I appreciate every single day that I'm in this country, because when you're born here and you're multi-generational here, you don't realize it. You think this is just the standard. This is how it should be. But when every single day you have a thought in the back of your mind, and I hope I can present that and, and help you put it in your mind, whoever it is, that that this is unique, that what we have here is the most amazing system where capitalism is still alive. It could, could be challenged sometimes, but it's amazing. We're in this opportunity and we get one shot, one life. And we're so blessed to be here. So I wake up every morning with that. The shirt that I wore on the boat when I came here is hanging in my closet. It's the first thing I see when I walk in. And that's my, oh yeah, that's right. I'm here. I got to make every day count because of all the family that I've never met as a, since I was little who doesn't have that opportunity. So if, if that 1% could be injected in someone's mind and they can use that as, oh yeah, this is an opportunity. And you don't realize it till you lose it. If I sent you right now to a communist country, you'll think that the United States and the opportunity we have in North America is amazing. So hopefully people can feel that. Yeah. Be grateful. Gosh, darn it. (laughs) It's the best way to be happy is to be grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Um, So in, you know, personally, Joel, how much coaching do you do today? Like, is that, is, is that, are you, are you looking to mentor more? Is, is that, where are you professionally? So here's the beautiful thing. At 39 years old, I'm 46. At 39, I retired and I stopped. I don't have an office. I don't have a desk. I'm in an employee's office right now. I stopped four kids, a wife, ultra marathons, working out, doing all these things is what I kept my mind busy with. And then I got a little bit bored and I started coaching and I said, I'll get a client or two. Now I think I'm at 11 clients. That's maybe six hours a week I'm working in that. And that's my what drives me the most. That's what I'm the busiest with. And I know it's only six hours a week. Uh, my other business, I do a level 10 meeting once a week, you know, so I'm not terribly busy. Uh, I'm working maybe 10 hours a week in total. So that's how my time is spent. The rest of it, it's jujitsu, lifting weights, running, swimming, <laughs> family. He, looking good. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm trying. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you would want to expand, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, maybe, 
starting a cohort, start, you know, would, would you be interested in, I don't know, making, uh, like being able to impact more people directly, uh, you know, kind of scaling that at all? Sure. With the right who, I don't want to do that. I want to be a part of it, sure, but I need somebody to run with it, right? I like the model of having a, a right-hand guy or girl in every single thing and letting them run with it and incentivizing them on the bottom line, not on the top line, on the bottom line. So they grow, they make a ton of money and we all share in it. But yeah, I would love to do that. Just I'm not the guy to drive it. I'm the guy to help and be the visionary behind it. Yeah, I hear you. Awesome. All right. So, Joel, uh, someone's been listening to our conversation like, I, I-, I like this guy. Uh, JoelGandara.com is your personal website. MorrowCapital.com is the, uh, again, your your capital your private equity company's website. Um, but, you know, someone that's been listening to us so like, I got to connect with this guy. What, what would you recommend they do? Or, you know, how can they kind of take that next step in the relationship? Sure. Uh, JoelGandara.com. I have an email that I send out about four times a year, nothing to sell. I just update what's going on in my life. If you sign up for that on my website, that's cool. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, and yeah, love to talk to people. I'm very approachable and I'm very easy to talk to. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Joel Gandara, again, joelgandara.com down in Southern Florida and Morrow Capital. Joel, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Josh. Good talking to you. Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to UpMyInfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show.